This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Hello, welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Tons. Again, gents, it, uh, it feels like a little while since you've recorded. I suppose it is in a sense, um, but it's nice to catch up with you boys again. So, uh, Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, yeah, I'm doing fa- well, thanks. Good to hear, mate. And how about yourself, Joe? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Not bad. Good. Nice and busy as always, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just uh, ticking along nicely. <laughs> yeah, and of course, this is our, this is technically our first podcast in the new season, although it feels like we did the last one the other week. Um, but yeah, we thought we wanted to sit down and uh, talk about the summer window coming up. Um, I'm sure a fair few signings are going to be happening in the next month or so. So we thought it'd be a good chance to sit down, um, go over the squad um, and evaluate certain areas where we think, you know, we can add to certain positions and we've got your opinions also on certain positions um, to add to. So yeah, we can stick into it and we'll kick off with our squad overview. And um, Joe, I believe you put together a little handy document for, for us. So I'll uh, take it away with your squad overview. Yeah, brilliant. So, um, I've gone basically gone through each position and gone through different players that um, can play in those positions. So um, in goal, we've got Andrew Fisher, who I think we're all happy with. And then we've got um, a contract that's been offered to Laurie Walker. So um, obviously Lee Nichols has left, so I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see a more experienced goalkeeper come in to play number two um, to Fish. But um, so that's where we currently are on goalkeepers. Um, for centre-back, um, so obviously we play three centre-back positions. Currently, we've got five centre-backs on the books. Uh, we've got Warren O'Hora, Harry Darling, Zach Jules, Dean Lewington, and then Jack Davies as well, the youngster. Um, moving on to the wing-backs, currently we've only really got Dan Harvey and I suppose Zach Jules that could play there. 
Um, you've also had, got a contract which has been offered by Ben Gladwin, but we remain to see whether that's been actually been signed yet. In terms of um, central midfielders, uh, so I'm thinking of more the defensive-minded ones. Uh, we've got David Kasuma and Hiram Boateng and John Freeman. They're all uh, contracted for next season. And contracts have been offered to Josh McEachran, Ben Gladwin and Andrew Sermon. Um, so I guess we, we it, it remains to be seen on those ones. Um, and then uh, attacking midfielder-wise, we've got Matt O'Reilly, Scott Fraser and uh, the youngster Lewis Johnson. And then up top, we've currently got Charlie Brown, Jay Bird and Sam Nombe. They're all contracted for next season, um, along with uh, Brooklyn Ilunga is also uh, contracted to my knowledge. Um, so, yeah, quite a few, uh, few youngsters dotted around there. A couple of positions where we're looking pretty good, a couple where uh, I think we do need some improvement, which I'm sure we'll, we'll be getting on to. Yeah, I mean, without delving into it too much, I know a lot of, of our position that was highlighted a lot by listeners and now ourselves talk about a lot as the wing-back positions. Of course, losing Ethan Laird, uh, going back to Manchester United and, and Matty Sonola are heading off to Belgium. Apart from Dan Harvey, we're looking pretty light there, aren't we, really? So it'd be good to get some players in there. Um, Ross, outside of the wing-back situation, what sort of positions are you are you saying, right, we need to recruit some players here? Um, I agree that we do need to recruit in certain areas, but we also need to keep hold of the assets in within the team. I believe Laurie Walker, um, Oldham will want him um, after having a successful uh, stint uh, going at the end of the season there. I believe... Um, he saved, he saved a penalty. He had it. Yeah, I, I believe he got a man of the match also there. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Oldham go into that um, and whether he actually accepts the contract we, which we've offered. Um, and then with the Josh McEachran and Sermon uh, situations, obviously Sermon's not in it for the money anymore, I don't believe. Um, it's, it's a case of um, experience and him just enjoying his football. I believe, um, obviously, he's gave Russ a favour or helped him out as such at the start uh, halfway through the season because we were short on numbers. Um, and then Josh McEachran, it was a case of he had a bit of an injury spell. We took a gamble and now we're starting to see him flourish within the team. Um, but with a Ben Gladwin situation, I'm a bit 50-50 with that one because of Ben Gladwin. We know the ability he carries within the team and on his day, he's unstoppable. But it's when it's his day and half the time we've seen this season, he he's either picked up a slight knock, which has ruled him out. And he's before that, he's got had a bit of form. So it's a case of, do you bite the bullet with him or do you just be ruthless and let him go? But it'd be interesting to see how that we go on that front. And then obviously you've, uh, Joe's highlighted um, just a minute ago about our areas out wide and up top. So it'll be interesting to see how we go into this window for sure. Yeah, I mean, that centre mid spot is probably the most interesting for me. Of course, should the, the attacking, if you're going off the box formation, the attacking midfielders were fairly set on. Maybe get one more in to cover in case one of O'Reilly or Fraser just go down injured. Uh, touch wood, they don't. Um, but yeah, that, that then pivot roles are really interesting. As you mentioned, you're selling Bukekra and they've all got deals on the table. Whether they accept them or not is up to them. I'm sure they're waiting on maybe a championship offer coming in, perhaps. Um, but yeah, that's the most interesting one for me, Joe. And uh, it's really interesting to see, you know, if they don't uh, sign, who the club are sort of targeting to come in for them. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if they don't sign, then we'll be left with Kasumu, Hiram Boateng and John Freeman. And Russ Martin's openly come out and said that he does not expect Hiram Boateng to be at the club next season. And Hiram Boateng, along with Sam Nombe, you know, I have listed them, but Russ did say they know that they know our feelings and they know the situation. So with Cambridge coming up, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hiram Boateng being a quite straightforward deal to do. However, you know, if he is on a bigger contract, maybe a bit more difficult, but that remains to be seen. Um, anyway, if if we do not, yeah, so I think with Kasumi, we've got we've got a box-to-box, all-action um, terrier of a player. And I think one thing that we really benefited from later on in the season was his athleticism. So maybe seeing a, a powerful, athletic person alongside him. And then we've also seen sort of the other uh, side of um, the central, the holding midfielders in Josh McEachran and Andrew Sermon, who may not be running around at 100 miles an hour like Kasumi, but they've they've got the ability to control. And I think having that balance in the midfield, it works quite well. So, yeah, I think maybe, you know, I think we definitely want someone that can control games from deep. Um, and then you've got someone like, another, maybe another person like Kasumi, who's really athletic, he can drive forward and, and get us out of some sticky situations. Yeah, I was about to mention how I probably want to see another Kasumu-esque midfielder in that pivot role come in. Even if it's, even if it's the backup to Kaz, which it probably will be because Kaz is so good. Um, yeah, I do think we need that because obviously when Kaz went down, we kind of suffered for a little while, didn't we? And it took us a very long time to adjust to that. Um, so yeah, that would be my preference to get another player in who's like Kasumu, um, who can add to the squad even more. Um I put this question to you boys earlier on the week in terms of the squad we have right now. So if you take out, you know, all the players that have been offered contracts and some of the guys that are coming back in off loans, like non and Boateng, do you believe there's a right, there's the right blend of youth and experiences in the squad right now? And if you don't, how do you, where, where would you see additions coming in to add to that? And I suppose Ross, if you could answer that question, mate, that'd be excellent. Yeah, so I've done a bit of research um, prior to, the, obviously, the recording, and our average age of the squad is 26. Um, it's, I'd, I'd say that's probably the right area you'd want it, not too old, uh, too old and not too young. But I guess in our, in our squad, if you obviously, if you take out Louis out of that back line, it's quite a very young back line. So it's a case of Louis notches up that average age rating quite a bit. So in the sense of, I know Joe's going to go on to it um, later on, but I, I do feel like we'll probably need a bit more experience brought in. Um, I, I believe, obviously, we've got the uh, the young men as such um, in Dan Harvey, and then we've got, obviously, O'Hora alongside on, on that back line. Um, so we've got plenty of youth within the squad, obviously, Kasumi as well. Um, and I feel like that's what Russ has really done well this season. He's he's got that blend right, and that's probably why we've had so much so much success because of all the experienced individuals have been feeding all their advice and experience to this to this young young back line or all these young individual players as such. So going forward in this transfer window, I'd like to see a bit more um, experience brought in um, because I do feel. In my eyes, I do feel we slightly lack that, um, only because of like we've got Louis and Sermon and Cami. I believe they're plus thirty, and it brings all of our overall rating up. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm interested to see Joe what positions you reckon we should recruit 
that more experience or maybe more peak age players into the squad because you know if you look at it now obviously strikers looking a bit bare in terms of experience and you know maybe outside, as, as uh, Ross said outside of Livington the central defenders are so what position would you target for that experience in the squad? Yeah I think that um, what, what one thing that yeah we Ross mentioned is that the average age is kind of bumped up actually by some of those older players so You've got Dean Lewington, Andrew Sermon, Cameron Jerome. They're all, you know, the, the wrong side of 34, if you want. So all of a sudden, you know, a 21 and a 35-year-old playing together, that average age is like 27, 28. Um, so all of a sudden, you lose a couple of them older ones and you've got a very, very young squad. Um, I think one thing that we don't really have at the moment, which is something I'd like us to do, is is what I call peak age players. So it's between sort of the ages of 24 and 29. So, you know, they've got a couple hundred games under their belt but they've still got much, you know, their legs aren't gone, so to speak. They've got plenty of room to grow. And I think um, just through the spine of the team, I think it's vital. I think a centre-back who's, yeah, like I say, between 24 and 29, they've played a few hundred games in the EFL. They know their way around it. You know, a canny operator in midfield. Um, and then and then, um, uh, and then, then maybe perhaps a striker in that age range as well. Um, I think it's... You know, we've seen like someone like Will Grigg, I think he's, you know, 28, 29. Um, Scott Fraser, he's currently in that peak age range. Um, McEachran, he's getting towards the end of it. But apart from that, you know, everyone else is pretty much under 23 or over 30. <laughs> There's not many sort of in that, you know, in that age range where you're expecting them to play sort of 40, 40 games per se- a, a season. Because uh, I think we mentioned it on the season review. We didn't actually have many players that played over 40 games because... Probably partly because they weren't actually here that long. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got some really good building blocks, but I think just adding in those key sort of areas uh, up in the average age slightly, um, maybe signing a few of Russ's mates, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I, I guess um, I, I'm sure that I'm sure the, 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 the team, the scouting team know that, the recruitment team know that. So, yeah, it will be, will be interesting to see, see which maybe, you know, players in those age ranges will be going for. Yeah, of course, with Andy Keller moving on, um, Winkleman came out and said in an interview before the Callum Showcase game how uh, Liam Sweet seems to take more of a sort of front house role in terms of the final say on players. So I think we're all very intrigued to see how that goes. Of course, speaking to Liam previously on the podcast. So uh, yeah, very exciting times. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what happens on that front. Um, And we'll do our best to... Well, not that maybe helpfully, but give our opinions on what maybe some decisions we should go for and what attributes we want from those players. Let's kick off with the striker position, gents, because um, end of the day, a striker, 20, 20 a goal season, striker kind of determines promotion, non promotion sometimes. So, uh, Ross, what sort of attributes would you want from a striker coming into Milkings Dons this season based on what we had previously last season under Russ? Yeah, I think I saw a stat the other day on Twitter, I believe, um, that we had the most touches in the opponent's area in the league. And I feel this is so vital in what we do. And that's why Will Grigg had some success come uh, the end of the season. Um, We need a a fox-in-the-box sort of striker and a poacher as such. But on the other hand, we need someone who's going to hold up the ball and we need someone to help us get to the box. So... um, you talk about a striker, I believe we, we need at least two or three. Um, 
going forward. Um, obviously, the third one, I personally go with alone. Um, I know we've had so much success um, of the loan system uh, throughout, obviously, our history. Um, but yeah, if I was if I was to pinpoint a striker, we should be looking for. Obviously, we can all say a goal scorer, but they come up, they come up at a price at the end of the day. And I know um, we're going to go on to about Marquise and Elsa and all these sort of strikers, that but they don't come cheap at the end of the day. And obviously, Winkleman's turned around and um, and said that we're not going to have a full budget. We're going to it'll be slightly restricted. So it'll be using and utilising the money well in certain areas. Yeah, I completely agree regarding you know, the budget and things like that. I'll be very intrigued to see, you know, we'll talk about Marquise and Isa later, but I'm very intrigued to see what the other operating budgets of the other League One clubs are, whether they actually match up to us. Obviously, I think it was reported that we sold £2.5 million worth of player sales over that season. So there is, there's a fair bit of money in the club, uh, to say the least. Obviously, of course, a fair bit would have gone to, you know, surviving the pandemic and spending it on players like Matt O'Reilly, Harry Darling, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, even then, there's probably still a decent amount in the kitty that could be spent on the right players. So I feel if a uh, if a certain player becomes available, I'm sure the club will be able to make a move like he did in January. Um, Joe, what I mean, obviously Ross mentioned what he'd kind of like for a striker in terms of a fox in the box and another one that hold up the ball. Are you thinking along the similar lines as Ross? Um, yeah, I've got written down here. I think we need three different types of strikers. I think. We need one that challenges defenders physically. Um, So that can take two forms. It can be, you know, sort of a Jerome with Jerome running in behind, but also managing, you know, when when Jerome was running in on goal, it was almost scary for for some of the defenders. Um, But then we also saw a different side at the start of the season with uh, Colton Morris being that ugly striker. And I think Jerome, you know, Jerome had some really good early season form. And I think a lot of that is down to Morris because Morris was basically, you know, just beating the defenders up as such. And, and then, you know, Jerome was then having plenty of space and, and managed to have, score quite a few goals. And then I think you've got, there is room for a poacher like Greg as well. If we're going to be playing two, <clears throat> two strikers, you know, I think we've seen three different types of strikers at MK this season. And I think that, you know, we can go out there and um, I think one of them will be alone for sure which is fine. Um, you know, these sorts of, you know, strikers, which you talk about, they're not going to be, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're going to do very well to find, you know, 20, 25 goals a season strikers uh, at league one level that, that, um, that are, aren't going to set you back, you know, over 500 grand or so. Um, and that's before you've even started paying wages. So, yeah, I think it's, it's all about, and, and this is, I think it's going to be a current theme for me anyway, in, in, um, in this sort of um, transfer um, preview is I think physicality is something we just need to add and I think will really benefit our game. Yeah, I mean, I think if I had to focus on one, if we focus on the one striker this summer, it would be a Cameron Jerome type, physical, can hold up the ball. He's very high on, you know, um, expected well, XGI and XGA, which is expected goal involvement and expected goals assists. Um because that worked well for us last season. And of course, we had the quality of like Samani Saranola and et cetera, who delivered in the ball. So as long as we can get Cameron Jerome the ball, he was scoring goals. And um, that's why he won uh, the 
top goal scorer in the end because he has, he has sort of accolades how he did so well. I noticed you both mentioned how you want to bring in three strikers. Now, bear in mind that you already have uh, Charlie Brown, Jay Bird and Lewis Johnson as part of the first team ready professionally. So we're talking six strikers in the squad if we add the three that you due to desire to play the max two positions. Now, are we first of all, are we forgetting about Charlie Brown and all of this? Because we haven't really seen too much of him. And he was brought in for this season. So could you say that Charlie Brown is technically a new signing in the first place and could act as that third striker? Um and maybe I don't know what the right word is, sort of take the position of a, you know, like a fox in the box sign that we might we may sign in a summer that you guys feel we need. Yeah, I definitely think he can do that. Um, I think with Jay Bird, I think maybe Jay Bird's going to play a similar role to sort of what maybe Nombe did um, a couple of seasons ago. I think he'll play a couple, get a few run off bench. Um, <clears throat> Nombe, I think we know that Russ doesn't doesn't want him here next season. Um, so yeah, with, with Brown, you know, he's, he's 21 still as, as well. And I think I saw something about how, you know, strikers under the age of 23 in the top five leagues in Europe, I think there was only a couple that actually scored more than sort of 15, 20 goals last season. I think, you know, if you look up and down the EFL, I can't think of many strikers under the age of sort of 23, 24 that are scoring that many. I think it's just one of those positions where you just need to give players time and it's not going to happen overnight and people just can't expect too much of him. He's, you know, he, I think his time will come, um, but maybe, yeah, I, I don't, I, th- I just think well, I'd rather have two, two people, you know, over the age of sort of, you know, 23, 24 to rely on rather than, you know, relying on a 21 year old Charlie Brown. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I was wondering, because I, I do, I do feel that, Charlie Brown could act as that third lone striker that you guys maybe feel we need. I mean, Ross, I'm not sure what your thoughts of Charlie Brown's role is next season, but I agree we don't need to rely on him, but I do feel that he has to have a step up next season in order to make that whole signing really worth it from January. I, I do feel like Russ will step up with him next season. He did say when he signed him, it's only been six months since we signed him, um, but yeah, I feel he said um, it was a long-term investment, and it still is. It's, it's, I, I believe it'll be it'll take him easily one to two years before he gets in, into his stride. He's still a young man. He's still learning the men's game. It's completely different to what he's been um, been competing in competing in that Chelsea. So, um, in the sense of answering your question, I personally believe that he'll probably be like a fourth striker, maybe. Um, but that's not a bad thing because we play a box formation. So your two main strikers aren't going to be playing every single game. We saw how intense it is this season and um, we saw how many injuries uh, we picked up. So I personally believe we'll start to see more of Charlie Brown and I hope we do at the end of the day because of we saw glimpses of what he can offer. So if we're going to start changing up the formation, so if we play one up top, it's probably going to be hard for him to get on. But if we play to like a box formation, I can't see why not. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, I think uh, everyone wants to see a bit more Charlie Brown this season. And uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be up to him end of the day to fight for his minutes and fight for his place in the team. And I'm sure Russell will make it competitive uh, for him in that position. So yeah, we'll wait and see, I suppose. A, um, a topic that's sort of been spread out the past sort of two weeks or so has been on two strikers who are well known to most EFL fans, if not all Dons fans, in uh, Moisa and John Marquis. And uh, the Dons have been linked to both recently. Uh, with Moisa, first of all, um, it was rumoured that, well, Barry Fry said that the Dons had keen interest in Mo in January. Uh, and they went as far as inquiring about him, but couldn't afford him. Um, it's up to you whether you believe Barry Fry's words um, I don't personally um, I wouldn't trust the word he says to be honest but hey it's end of the day he's, it's uh, his words so take what they are and um, John Marquise also apparently the Dons have inquired about John Marquise's availability um, according to a a, uh, a local sort of source in the Pompey area which I've checked and I know is fairly reliable for his information um, so yes yeah, it's interesting so it's if you believe all that and it's all rumors not confirming anything but if you believe that then it's fair to say that you know russ is certainly not messed about with the striker position in terms of trying to recruit the players that he feels he needs up top and um us three gents and other people as well have been debating whether we prefer my wife or john marquis uh so ross i'll let you kick off um if you had to sign the one of my or john marquis uh, which one would it be and why well, I'm going to take a back foot on this straight away. So I know I'm going to get shut down by UT. But it depends. all depends what formation Russ prefers next season, um, in my eyes. I believe if we're going to go for the 3-5-1-1 up top as a lone striker, I do believe Marquis fits that role. He's physical. He can run in behind if he wants to, and he will take his chances. But obviously, with that being said, we've mentioned how many chances he's missed. But Joe likes to prove me wrong, and he has he has shown me Premier League elite strikers missing those sorts of chances as well. So it has opened my eyes up slightly. Um, but in my eyes, it depends what the fees are. Um, if we're saying our oh, 500k for Marquise uh, Elsa, which one would you pick? I personally, for the box formation, would pick Elsa. It's I personally think um, Elsa, he can do a lot more damage. Um, I know, obviously, D-Mac and Barry Fry are winding opposition fans up about him, saying he's worth promotion and all this. But obviously, I've only seen what I've seen. And in the first half of last year, he, he set League One on fire alongside Tony. Yes, Tony was playing alongside him. But I just feel... Um, with them changing to a lone striker up top, he struggled to get even inside. And when you play against Johnson, Clark, Harris, you can't really fault them for dropping him to the bench. So overall, um, I personally would pick Elsa, but I know you two would say different. Yeah, the main reason why I say Marquise is that, you know, I feel he is the closest we're going to be able to get to Cameron Jerome this season that isn't Cameron Jerome. Um, you know, as Joe mentioned, we kind of need that Morris type play who's quite physical, uh, especially for playing the box, um, and who can hold up play and score goals as well. And Marquise last season proved all of that. He had 22 goal contributions last year. Uh, Pompey fans have said that his XG went down over the season, which, 
yeah, fair enough. But the Pompey team in general went down over the season. So it was a kind of the sort of, I suppose, the main culprit of that whole sort of scenario. And um, yeah, I'm sure Joseph mentioned, you mentioned Ross, you know, yeah, he missed loads of chances. But I think the fact that he got all those positions in the first place sort of says a lot. Um, and I feel we've got the creative players to get those chances once again. And of course, the hope is that he'll do the equivalent of what he did last season, if not more. And um, I do, I do believe that. I, pl- I think we should, if it is 500k or whatever. That's not a, that's a random fee, by the way. That's nothing official or anything. If it is 500k, I think you have to spend the money on it because I generally think that could be the difference between promotion and just sitting in League One again next season. And that goes for Isa um, or Marquis. Um, I think if you get that type of quality player, you have to spend the money. The reason I say Marquis also is just because of a bit more pedigree with him. Of course, if, um, if Murray had one good season with Cheltenham and apart from that, hasn't really done too much for me. Um, so, yeah, it's just a bit more guarantee for your money, I think, if you're spending that type of money. Um, Joe, I believe you're on the Marquis side, so I'll let you say your piece. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you, Liam. I think if you look at uh, John Marquis, he's played uh, over 300 games <clears throat> in um, in League One and in League Two. Um, he scored over 100 goals, league goals in that time. And then you've got to remember, he won't have started 300 games. So, you know, in terms of starts, it's a better record than one goal in three, um, which is which is good for this level. He's also got quite a few assists. And I think with, with Isa, he's... He had one good season at Cheltenham. Uh, he's been in the EFL four years. He's had one good season at Cheltenham. Went to Bristol City and for whatever reason, he played six games in an entire season. And then at Peterborough, he he um, he had a good one half of the season. Um, but since then, he's barely, I think he's, must, he's started under 10 games. And I just think, you know, there must be something else going on. There must be a, a reason for that. And especially as Russ says, how... You know, he much rather would have the characters. And you look at John Marquise and sort of teams he's been involved with. He's been in, in um, involved in you know a few promotion uh, chases. He was part of part of that really good Doncaster team last season. Um, Portsmouth, they've been knocking on the door the last couple of years. Um, and he's he's twenty nine years old as well. So I've just actually just quickly um, had a little look. And in terms of players that are actually tied down for next season. Um, the average age is 22.25. We've got three players over the age of 24. That's Hiram Boateng, Scott Fraser and Dean Lewington. We don't have anyone else contracted um, over those ages. So I think the sooner we start getting these sorts of, you know, as I said, you, you know, you're 26, 27, 28-year-olds, the ones that have, you know, 300 games, and over 300 games in the EFL, been there and done it. And I just think it's, you know, a bit more of a surefire bet um, but of course, you know, this is just one scenario. I'm sure we're going to be linked with another 10 strikers this summer. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. But that's the sort of player I'd like. You know, he's he's proven, um, but maybe we're going to go for some more unknown, take some risks uh, like we have with some of the players this year. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, very interesting. And uh, hey, who knows? We'll probably go for none of them. We'll probably get someone completely different, as Liam mentioned. Um, but hey hi, that's the fun of it, isn't it? Um, okay, let's get off striker. I've talked about striker a lot. Uh, let's move on to right wing back. Obviously, technically no right wing back in the squad at all at the moment. Um, with no Ethan Laird anymore, of course, we're back to Manchester United. So I think 
well, I know a lot of people have said they want at least one in. Some people have said even more than that. So this seems to be a key area which we need to recruit a player in. Um, Ross, how similar would you like the right wing back to be in terms of what Ethan Laird provided for the Dons this past season? Uh, can I just have Ethan Laird back? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe in an ideal world. Um, no, yeah. Ethan Laird was a perfect player for that sort of position, but I'll probably, um, I'll probably want a more of a right winger as such um, because I feel um, in the final third, we've lacked slightly. Um, I know Ethan Laird at, at the end of his spell, he's really starting to click, but I felt that's what he lacked at the start of the season maybe. And um, I just feel if we're going to, if we're going to go for a, a wing back, I feel like we need to go for a more attack minded um, sort of player. Um, Cause we have saw that like with Regan Paul and we've seen it in like previous players as well as like Cal Britton as well. They weren't as good as we, what we want them in the final third. So I personally, I'd want a more attacking minded player, which can uh, adapt to their defensive um, abilities. But obviously if we get someone who's defensive minded and is afraid to bomb it forward or beat their man. I feel like we're holding back slightly and you don't want that in this sort of team. I suppose the nice thing with going with a sort of more of a right wing and then a right wing back is that the player availability for that position becomes a lot more vast. So, you know, we've seen this summer alone, there's been quite a few players who you could say have fit the quality of that position have been let go by similar teams around our sort of position in the league. So... I wonder if that was a thought of the process, Joe, in terms of, okay, yes, maybe it suits the system more, but also there's a really good chance we could get a really quality player coming in for that position, as opposed to Ethan Led, who is a, a once-in-a-five-year player who will get in on loan, who didn't really belong here in the first place. Yeah, and I think with Ethan Led, one thing to sort of remember is, yeah, I think he got about, I think he got three assists in 20 or so games, but you know, sometimes I think I remember him. You know, he'd have a few, quite a few shots in the box that just wouldn't quite be there. And I think, um, you know, Ross mentioned earlier that we've had the most touches in opposition box. Um, we don't have the most goals scored. So, by my logic, that tells me that the quality we actually have when we get to the box isn't necessarily there. And I, I, I just think the, one of the perfect examples of this was, you know, looking back at the start of the season, I think Regan Paul had five shots in the game. I don't want Regan Paul having five shots in the game for my team. <laughs> I want I want it to be a winger. I want it to be a striker or, or maybe, you know, a, a, a Scott Fraser or a Matt O'Reilly. I want them to be having the shots. Um, and I think that that's where maybe we might see a little shift from the recruitment team. And, you know, you see it with some teams um, that, you know, wingers have been converted successfully into right wing backs and left wing backs. And I think especially if you're playing Kasumu, and someone else alongside him, you know, they, they, Kasumi's got the legs to cover right back all day long. <laughs> it's, um, and I think that, so I think right back and left wing back are almost, you know, pretty much the same in terms of, you know, we are getting to the box, no problem. There's there's not an issue there. Um, but we said it about Matty and we said it about, you know, Regan Paul before. Uh, Matty Sorinola, that is, you know, sometimes that you could almost tell that they were a defender once they got to those positions. And if you look at a normal right back in League One or League Two and look at their heat map and then look at what Ethan Laird's or Regan Paul's heat map was, it, it, it was, you know, it was one of them looked like a winger. One of them looked like a right back. 
And I think I, I dare say, if you looked at Regan Paul's, you know, touch map compared to MK rather than where he's playing in the back four at Lincoln, I, I think it would be vastly different. So yeah, we you know we're very good at getting to the box, but it's you know what we do when we actually get to the box that maybe we lacked at times um, last season. Um, so yeah, I think physicality is a big, really, really big um, key factor there because I think, and interestingly, I think this is one of the positions where you can go for a bit of a younger player. Um, I think, you know, because a lot of the time you get, you know, almost, you, you associate, you know, fast, pacey wingers, you know, players that are fearless and players that take risks. And I think those are the sorts of players you want out wide, the ones that just aren't scared to go one on one with, a, you know, a, a fullback. Whereas maybe you want a bit more control in centre back or in the central midfield. Um, so, yeah, I think this could actually be one of the most exciting areas that we're actually looking to sign this year. Because, you know, and as well, if you get these left wing backs and these right wing backs right, well, I mean, you look at Charlie White for Sunderland, you, you get you get someone like Aidan McGeady delivering you balls in the box. It doesn't matter if you miss five a game, you're probably going to score another couple. It's because you're going to get so many chances laid on a plate for you. So, yeah, I, I think it, I'm actually quite excited to see what the approach we take with this. And I wouldn't be surprised if we do maybe see a, a bit more players with perhaps a bit more of an attacking intent um, on either side. Yeah, very exciting. And you mentioned about getting the right wing back position, right? But as you said, getting the left wing back is as important. And I'm very interested to see, because obviously the roles of the two wing backs are very different in the system from last season. Of course, Matty was always the guy who was cutting in, doing the crossing. Um, and obviously Ethan there was more direct. He would want to get into the box, have a shot, have a cross, um, etc. So from of course we've got Dan Harvey on the books, he's very much a more of a Ethan Laird type, I feel, on the left hand side, likes to get into the box a bit more, a bit more pacey, a bit more direct than Matty Tonola was. So we've obviously we've highlighted left wing back as a position we want to recruit in because we had two last season, now we've got one technically. What would you want to see from this left wing back that we bring in, Ross, in terms of certain attributes that maybe we need? Would it be very similar to Matthew Sarnola or would it be a bit different? Um, this is a joke, by the way. Put Louis, put Louis at left wing back. It's all right. He'll do the job. <laughs> um, no, um, going back to your question, um, I, I do feel like we need a bit of a character there. Um We've probably lacked that. I feel like Matty Sorinola and Dan Harvey are two youngsters, and I feel like they're just learning off one another as such. And maybe an experienced head, um, someone who knows what they what they what they're doing. Um, I'm not saying Dan Harvey doesn't, but he's obviously very raw as such in that position. Um, I just feel like an experienced head, maybe um, down that left left hand side. Um, but you you've said that obviously Dan Harvey hasn't been crossing the balls as such. But in my eyes, I don't feel like we've we've seen a, a consistent run of games for Dan Harvey. So how I, I personally don't feel like, how can you say that? So that, that's a question to you. How can you judge him when he hasn't had a consistent run, run of games? Well, that's the I've, point, isn't it? From what, sorry, Joe, um, from what no, I've seen, um, yeah, from, from what I've seen, he's been a bit more direct than Matty was. And that's just his skill set. And I think he, he does have a character. So, yeah, maybe maybe getting that experience head alongside him, as you mentioned. I'm not sure who that would be. That, that's obviously not up to us. Um, but, yeah, getting someone in to essentially mentor him could be a good idea. 
Um, whether we go back to inverted wing backs next season could be interesting. Um, obviously, that was I think that's why we did so well on left hand side because Matty was kind of that unpredictable player who could you know dribble in on his left or cut it back and cross him with his right, and that's why Cami was so good as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not not necessarily just Jan Harvey. He's had a, he had a good season from what he did, um, but of course, next season is going to be big for him because he's going to be the man by all Definitely. means. Um, so it's up to him. Is the, the buck lands of him a bit like Charlie Brown really? Step up or uh, you know get put to the bench or even the reserves. Um, so go on, Joe, carry on. Yeah, I think with it's I I, I spoke with um, yeah I had a little chat about this last night with some people on Twitter and I think with Dan Harvey he only started eighteen games in the league and he got three goals and three assists so you know goal contribution every one in sort of three games which is good and I think with Matty Sorinola he he started I think twenty three twenty four games. And um, in that time, he scored one goal, which which was going wide and was deflected in. And then he, he had four assists, but they actually only came in two games. You know, he, he got three assists in one game and then got an assist a game later. So actually, in terms of what Sorinola offered, I, I, I don't think, in terms of an attacking threat, I don't think that he was a consistent attacking threat. And I think when, when Harvey played, you think back to some of the games, you know, Swindon at home, Harvey, uh, Swindon away, sorry. Harvey got a goal and an assist. Ipswich at home, um, Harvey cut in, scored a great goal. Doncaster, Doncaster, Harvey scored as well, I believe. Um, so I think with Harvey, you know, he, he's the guy that he, he, he's almost fearless, uh, a bit too fearless sometimes, mind, but he, he, he's that, you know, a proper terrier type who I think is someone you'd absolutely hate to play against. And I think, you know, it's just tough because I can't. I don't remember him having a run of sort of more than four starts in a, in a row or something, and to produce those sorts of numbers whilst coming in and out of the team, you know, through international breaks, through injuries. I just think um, that it was really it was a solid season. And if he goes in, if we go into the season and he's the main left wing back, and we've got a backup left wing back, for instance, that's fine by me, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, very, very, very intriguing to see what the club does to back at the wing back spot. Um, because yeah, as you mentioned, Dan Harvey is different to Max Arnold in many ways. So I'm there is also, of course, also the opportunity to maybe they put midfielder out there that's maybe used to playing left wing back, like sort of Ben Gladwin, but maybe he's more, more right footed who can offer something different to the squad. Because by the looks, they're going to be even Andrew more- Sermon. Uh, maybe, well, <laughs> well, if he signs the contract first of all, um, and but no, no, I think it has to be a right fit player, someone who, of course, they're going to be straight to with uh, the number of senior players, also in the rest of the dimension, that was too much of an issue for him. You know, it's, it's a further restriction on recruitment, so yeah, very intriguing. Um, last position we had on our list, anyway, I'm sure there was maybe more because total central defender earlier. Um, but the pivot roles, of course, really the only player that we've got on the books that can play the pivot, uh, besides John Freeman, maybe is David Kasumu. Um, and of course, he is one of our best players, if not our best player. Um, but outside of that, it's looking pretty bare, gents. Um, and of course, we had the we had experienced heads of Sterling and McEachern come in. Uh, halfway through last season and both did excellent and both opened off the new contracts because of that um, but of course they haven't accepted it as of yet um, when this has been recorded so we might as well we can assume that they're not going to sign um, 
So are we looking for players who are very similar to Serna McEachern in terms of experience, in terms of how they controlled the game, um, and in terms of, you know, how they were both left-footed? I mean, are we going for more right-footed players this time? Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Joe? I think, to be honest, central midfield, um, I, I know we need bodies there, but I, it's one of them positions where I'm just not really concerned about at all because... I just think what central midfielder does not want to come to MK and have a chance of having 60, 70 passes a game. And I think that you're going to have players that want to just sit sit in there and do it and just spray it around. And I think that I think that we need a mixture. I mean, as we mentioned uh, earlier on, I think you do need that athletic type, you know, that David Kasumu, that box-to-box, um, someone that can dribble with the ball from deep and get you out of tight areas. Um, but you also need, um, you know, a, a nice crafty operator like Josh McEachern. You know, you look at last season, we had Louis Thompson um, as well. Louis Thompson was someone that he, he could do a bit of everything. But he, he, one thing Louis Thompson was great at doing was getting the ball deep and driving it forward. And all of a sudden you're gone from the edge of your box. And now all of a sudden you're in the opposition's half and you're, you're on the front foot. And I think that's one thing Kasumu and Thompson were really good at is just driving forward. But then you've got McEachern and Sermon who can see a pass and, you know, they're fizzing it into the feet of, you know, Fraser or O'Reilly. So I think there's, you know, a, a couple of different types that you could have there because I think with midfielders, sometimes it's, right, well, you're either, you're either there to stop a goal or you're either there to score a goal or assist. But I think a lot of people forget that there's a lot of, you know, you've got, I think, in, especially in our system, the midfielders, they're the ones that get it from the edge of our box to the, the, the edge of our box to the edge of the opponent's box. And so I think having players that can progress the ball, whether that's through their running, like we've seen with Kasumu and you know Thompson, or through their cute passing, such as McEachern and Sermon. You know, Gladwin, some of his long balls last season, you know, they, it was, you know, when we mixed it up, it, it really did work. And I think if we're going to be having wingbacks that maybe are, are actually wingers, you know, a few, I think we had quite a few times where, you know, someone like Darling would be spraying it across the a pitch to Ethan Laird, especially. So, yeah, I think there's a few different things that you can see in a central midfielder. But I think that, you know, should McEachern and Sermon and Gladwin not, not choose to sign a new deal, I, I think that there'll be plenty of central midfielders who will be, who'll be well, well up for playing for us. Yeah, I mean, Ross, are you sort of agree with the sentiment of Joe that you're not overly concerned by central midfield in terms of you know, players we could potentially get or obviously keep with the three guys that have been offered contracts? Yeah, if Sermon and McEachern sign, uh, I've got no worries at all. I feel like them two can still do a job. Um, just to to we've seen how that how much they've came along since they've uh, joined the club. Um, obviously, being out with a long stint through injuries or not just not enough football. Um, they're starting to get a bit of game time and we're starting to see the quality they hold uh, within, within them. Um, so on a whole, I'm not overly concerned. I do feel like our priority should be the the right wing back and striker. But um, obviously if Sermon or McEachern um, or Glad- even Gladwin don't, don't sign on, I would like to see another body in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely at least one for me. Um, okay, that kind of rounds off our sort of position targets and squad overview. Um, of course, Ross, you kind of alluded to this earlier in the episode in terms of keeping hold of our key assets, but 
Of course, we've heard a lot about, you know, especially from last summer, we saw some few key players, the close match, our valuations of players. And um, seems to be the same model as last year in terms of this season, you know, players have the valuations. Uh, the club don't feel that clubs are willing to meet them this season because of what's happened with COVID. But regardless, they have the valuations. If they're met, you know, they'll probably be sold on. So, of course, we've seen Matty already leave, uh, join uh, the Belgium side. Um, but he was, he was out of contract, he's out of our control, really. Um, so, Joe, are you? Do you think that'll be the last of the key departures this summer in terms of you know the spine of the team? Um, and do you think ultimately that clubs won't match our valuations for our key players? Um, well, I think if they do, then fair, that's fair enough. You know, I think sometimes it might be better to sell a player now and risk losing them on a free year later. I think with someone like you know, I think. You know, we we, look, we lost Reese Healy and we got Cameron Jerome in. We got, and then even if you if you say, oh, yeah, Jerome is just Russ's mate or whatever, you you've still got people like Will Grigg and Carl Morris that we were able to identify as players that would be suitable for playing for us, and and both of them did great. You know, we Scott Fraser and Matt O'Reilly, you know, sort of that flair player that sort of you know replaced Alex Gilby, and and. Um, you know, right wing back. Maybe we haven't identified a permanent target, but I thought Ethan Laird um, was great second half of, of the season. So I think that at the end of the day, you look at every single team in the country, and bar probably four or five, they're all selling clubs. You know, Leicester couldn't even keep hold of Harry Maguire or Mares when when big teams wanted them. That they had to let them go. And I don't think there's a single team in League One, League Two, or the Championship that would say that is in a position to turn down offers from above should they be good ones. I think that one thing we have got is I'm sure that the processes are in, you know, I, I bet you we've got three Scott Fraser replacements on a list if, you know, someone comes in and throws silly money at it and says, right, here you go. Um, and we've got to be in that position to be able to, you know, it's almost, it's, it's one thing just to say no, no, no to your blue in the face, but what if we lose Scott Fraser on a free next summer? <laughs> what, we, what the club will be moaning that we, you know, the club people will be moaning that the club saying, "Oh, I can't believe it! What awful business!" Whereas if we get money from this year, replace sign a replacement that, okay, he might not be as good as him, but he's maybe, you know, we've banked the cash and we've spent that on three positions, for instance. Um, so I, I just kind of trust what Liam Sweeten and Russ are doing. And, you know, I think they're, they're doing the right thing. And it's not just about this year. You know, we've got to think two or three years down the line. And if we can keep, you know, the majority of these players in two or three years' time, who knows where, where we'll be at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, a lot of the talk from the club is trying to keep these keep the players, keep the assets at the club for this season in particular, even with regards to management in terms of coaches, you know. I saw Luke Williams every week being uh, linked to a head coach role somewhere. Um, so, yeah, it's not just the players, it's actually the coach staff as well. And of course, uh, Liam Sweeting himself as well. So, yeah, it's an important summer and it's going to be an eventful one. And I'm sure the next month or so is going to be very, very fast paced and a lot of the news, I imagine. So, I'm sure we kept nice and busy content wise for us uh, from our point of view. Um, I suppose we'll just round off this episode with a sort of segment we got you guys involved with the listeners in terms of um, what your number one priority position would be and why. Um, and 
quite a few of you got in touch, so thank you very much for doing that. Uh, read through some of yours now. Um, so Chris Armstrong said how he thought wing backs and strikers were the key uh, sort of positions to target, which kind of echoes our thoughts really. Uh, he spoke about how you know Harvey had a great first season, so you know he can sort of take step up to take up our Matty space. Um, and yeah, strikers are must too, of course, with you know Ricky probably well 50-50 come back or not, and Cami likely to go. Uh, Gabe Sutton, hi Gabe, hope you're well. Um, totally check out Gabe's content and definitely do his EFL uh, expert really in most things. Um, he also agrees with Chris, head to wing back positions are crucial. Uh, of course, as he's mentioned, replacing Ethan there is going to be quite key this summer. Um, he mentioned about Daniel Harvey not being, not being able to step up, but I think we um, disagree on this podcast for sure. And I'm sure he had some comments after that as well from certain NK fans, which I'm sure he's responded to. Oh, don't worry, um, I'll have a word. <laughs> well, well, hopefully we'll have him on in the summer, so I'm sure we can chat to him then. Yeah, um, yeah. At Don's MK46 said he'd like to see some genuine wingers uh, play at wing back, like Ross sort of said, which is great. Um, you know, he said Laird was effective because he could beat the last man and he kind of wants to see that from uh, the recruitment coming in. Uh, Mark, regular listener and commenter of the podcast. All right, Mark. Um, also said Rob wing back. Um, you know, as Laird and Matty have gone. Uh, but he also thinks centre-back's a priority, which we also briefly mentioned. And uh, Albie, if sit down on the podcast. Hi, Albie. Um, also said Rob right back is a must. Um, Laird going. And he'd actually maybe recruit two Rob wing backs, which is interesting. So maybe taking the Joe approach of getting an experienced attacking option and then a younger guy who could you know, learn off him on loan, maybe. Okay, so uh, a lot of opinions there, gents. Um, I'll pass it over to ourselves now for our opinions. Uh, Ross, you've as you've mentioned, so you mentioned right wing back and striker. If you had to pick one, what would your number one priority position be, and why would it be that? Um, I personally believe uh, we should be our must is a striker. Um, I know, obviously, we're we're thin in most areas at the moment, but I just feel like. We've got to get a goal scorer in. I know um, we're obviously losing Healy and then replacing with Jerome. We knew it wasn't going to be a long-term replacement. And um, I just feel we've got to bring in a goal scorer. And um, I feel, obviously, if we're going to get a goal scorer in, we've got to be start paying the money. So, um, yeah, I'll probably say a goal scorer is a must for us this uh, summer. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, it, it very much links to my Marquis comments earlier. I feel the difference with promotion between most sides is having that 20 goal season striker. Obviously, that's harder to get than it sounds. Um, but you know, that, that has to be the priority this summer. Uh, maybe it's not the first person signed, but that should be the number one priority for me. Uh, yes, we don't have uh, right wing back, and yes, I've, of course, that's a priority, and that should be number two on the list 100%. But striker for me. Uh, has to be the focus and I think from what we've heard from the club um, that seems to be the direction they want to nail down very quickly and is a must for them um, so yeah I agree with Ross on that one um, Joe are you making it a hat-trick of striker focuses or are you going somewhere different I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here um, I think you know look at last season Cameron Dromey if he actually played you know 40 I think he only played 30 something games in the league if he actually played 40, 46 games, he would have been a 20 goal a season striker. It's not necessarily where we lacked last season. The rate Will Grigg was scoring at, he would have scored 20 goals if he played a full season. So for me, that's not where we missed out last season. Where we missed out last season, I think, was 
a bit more of an experienced head at the back. Um, in, and I know we've got Dean Lewington, but I think that, um, you know, whether that be uh, on one of the wing-back roles or the centre-back, I think those are two roles where we maybe just lacked that little bit of now and know-how at times last season. And I think that, I think especially wing-backs, are, I'm going to say, I'm going to say wing-backs, um, because I just feel that we were a little bit inconsistent for the first half of the season. And then I think that Laird was great second half of the season, but maybe, you know, Sorinola, I just don't think he impacted enough games. As I said, there was only two games where he got those assists in. So I think that, you know, having a fit Harvey will help. And I think, you know, just have seen, um, because uh, I think Jerome actually mentioned in, in a thing about how he's not actually missed that many chances. It's just, we, we went through quite a lot of games where he didn't actually get many chances. And you look at Grigg as well. When Grigg actually got chances against Swindon, he scored all of all of the bloody things. So I think that last season we weren't lacking that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go wing-backs. Yeah, no, that's, that's completely fair enough. I mean, that is a very tough choice to me between uh, right wing-back and striker. Um, but I will just say, imagine last season without Cameron Jerome, and it's it's very it's very hard to rely, as you said, on on Charlie Brown. Who, obviously, we all think he's great. We all think he's going to do well next season. But as I said it's a complete unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. He's a youngster. It, you know, these off games happened time to time, and there's no guarantee he'll do well. So I think the the priority for me has to be that striker role. Um, and, the thing is, though, I think. Last season, I think we had decent wing-backs and, and very good strikers. If you had a decent striker but very good wing-backs, how different would it potentially be? Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it's not going to be different. I just feel I if you take... If we didn't have Cameron Jerome for that first half of the season, I, mean, I don't know yeah, where it would be. We would have been course, a massive yeah. rut. A massive rut. So that, that's the difference. That's the difference to me. I you know mm. I look at this squad now, and if we don't have a physical striker at top, say we have Charlie Brown to start the season. No offense to Charlie Brown, but I think we're going to struggle again if we don't get a striker in, like a pro- proper striker, um, and at least one of them as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's you know that's, that's why we have these podcasts, that's why we have his opinions, so we can get them out and see if people agree with us, and if they don't, but I think both positions are a key priority, um, both both wing back sides and a striker, so. Those those have to be the key focus for the club, and I'm, I'm well from the reactions we've seen from the club, we believe they are the focus. So it's good to see we're on the right lines. Okay, well that rounds us off nicely for this summer window preview. Um, we might take a little break for a little while. The club's kind of we can't wait for the club to give us some news on some signings, really. So we'll come back uh, maybe in a couple of weeks' time, see if the club signs some players. Um, we'll try and enjoy the Euros, I suppose. Have a bit of time to away from the podcast and have some beers, basically, and try and enjoy the summer as much as possible. Um, we do have some pods over the summer um, with people from the club and outside the club, which will be close to the season. And yeah, we'll get we'll get some league one previews done and Adon's season preview as well done before the season starts. Um, but yeah, for the next couple of weeks, that's kind of us really. Um, we'll see what happens with signings. Um, and yeah, until then, come on, you Dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.